Geico asks, how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance? Of course you would. And when it comes to great rates on insurance, Geico can help. Like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV. Even help with homeowners or renters coverage. Plus, add an easy-to-use mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance and more, and Geico is an easy choice. Switch today and see all the ways you could save. It's easy. Simply go to geico.com or contact your local agent today. Now see, when it comes to Nate Dogg, right, he was in my favorite era of hip-hop. That Death Row, that Bad Boy Wu-Tang era. I like to call it the golden age of hip-hop. And don't get me wrong, man, but I love all the new rappers that's doing the singing and the auto-tune on hooks now. But I heard Snoop say Ty Dolla Sign was the reincarnation of Nate Dogg. Hmm. I like Ty Dolla Sign. He's dope to me. But um, I don't know. And see, now see when Snoop said that, a lot of people wasn't feeling that statement, especially Nate Dogg's son, who goes by the name Inhale, who responded back to Snoop, basically telling him to cut it out because there would never be another Nate Dogg. Nate Dogg, AKA the King of Hooks, the G-Funk crooner, and you can't forget about his songwriting skills. <laughs> Look, man, Nate, Nate had that laid-back, smooth R&B gangster style. And in my opinion, he was the G-Funk era. When people say G-Funk, I think of Nate Dogg. Because look, usually when you, when you think of R&B singers, you think about them singing about love and romance, but Nate Dogg, man, he was singing about pulling out his gun and laying busters down. <laughs> That's that regulators, man. Charlie Wilson from the Gap Band said he was just incredible, and he brought he brought that real R&B element to hip hop, and he had that old soul thing that helped strengthen rap songs. Nate Dogg put that puzzle together. Ice Cube said, if you want to hit. You gotta have a Nate Dogg bit. Radio host Big Boy said the West Coast rap scene was built on Nate Dogg. Ladies, man, he was a gangster. <laughs> Dad's from the Dog Pound. He did an interview on Vlad. He said him and Nate Dogg were the robbers of the crew. And doing my research, man, a lot of people close to him said Nate was the real deal, man. He was a gangster. Him, Trey DC style. <laughs> Nate was the real deal, man. He was nominated for four Grammys. Man, let's get into Nate's story, man. Look, Nate Dogg was born August 19th, 1969 in Clarksdale, Mississippi. Now, growing up, he listened to a lot of gospel music, but, you know, that's because his father was a pastor in the church and his mother was in charge of the kids' choir. And... Him and his siblings, they formed a little gospel singing group called the Hale Family. I think Nate was like six years old when he first started singing. Now, as he got older, some of his music idols was um, Marvin Gaye, Stevie Wonder, and Maurice White from the group Earth, Wind & Fire. By the age of 14 years old, his parents divorced. 
and his mother ended up moving to Long Beach, California. And that's where he met Snoop Dogg and Warren G because they was in the same class. Now, in school, Snoop was always rapping. And Nate could rap, but not as good as Snoop. But he would sing because he came from the church. And him and Snoop, them, they became best friends. Him, Snoop, Warren G, they used to play football, basketball together, and go to church together. By the age of 17, he dropped out of high school and joined the Marines for three years, but ended up being discharged because he kept coming home, unauthorized because he said he was tired of it. But the truth was, Nate said he came home and caught his cousin and, and his girlfriend in the bed together, and he held them hostage for like three days or something like that. That's why he got kicked out of the Marines. And that interview, he talked about that in an interview on Double XL and the Vibe magazine. Now, after the military, he came back home and he couldn't find no job and he ended up getting kicked out of his mom's house. So he had to hustle to get money, but he ended up catching a robbery charge after robbing a check cashing place. That's when he got back with Snoop Dogg and Warren G, who also got kicked out of their mother's houses too. But, and by that time, they had a rap group where Snoop was the rapper and Warren G was the DJ. And they wanted Nate to be the singer of the group. They called themselves 213, which was the area code they was from. But they really got the idea from rapper Richie Rich and his group 415, which was where they was from. And that's when they started making demo tapes at their friend house named Money B. Then they started recording at a record store called VIP with DJ Slice. And before they knew it, the mixtapes was all over LA. The crazy part is Snoop was down with the rap group Above the Law at first before he even met Dre. Because see, Warren G was Dr. Dre's little brother and he was always telling Dre about his group. But during that time, Dre just thought they needed to keep working and they weren't ready yet. Until one day, Dr. Dre had threw a party for one of his friends and Warren G ended up playing some of the songs they did at the party. And everybody at the party was going crazy and they liked the songs and that's when Dr. Dre told Warren to bring Snoop to the studio to help work on this album. Because see, at that time, Dr. Dre had just left Easy e and Ruthless Records and him and Suge Knight had got together and started their own label, which was first going to be called Future Shock Records. But then they wanted to call it Death Row, like Def Jam. They was going to spell it with the D-E-F, like Def Jam. But they later changed it uh, to Death Row Records. I think I saw an interview with um, Jewel. She said she suggested that name to them. And during that time, they had Jewel, um... Lady of Rage, Dog Pound, RBX, the DOC, they all chipped in, man. And they helped Dr. Dre with the Chronic album. And Nate Dogg was featured on the tracks called These Nuts and Little Ghetto Boy. That was my junk, too. Look, the crazy part is they ended up signing everybody to the label except Warren G. But I just think Dre didn't want him around all that crazy mess because that was his little brother and... Warren G blew up anyway, man. After he signed with Def Jam, he blew up anyway. But we'll get to that later. Now, 
after the success of Dr. Dre's album, The Chronic, which was triple platinum at the time, they began working on Snoop's album titled Doggy Style. And during that time, it was crazy because Snoop was fighting a murder case. But one of my favorite songs on the Doggy Style album was called It Ain't No Fun. If the homies can't have none, man, that was my junk right there. Nate did his thing on that song. Now, that album ended up selling over 4 million copies and Death Row Records was on fire during that time. Right after that, Warren G had got his deal with Def Jam and wanted Nate Dogg on his first single called Regulate. That's when they came with the same concept like Snoop and Dre on the song Deep Cover to go back and forth with the verses and, and it worked. The song Regulate reached number two on the Billboard Hot 100 and number one on the US Hot Rap Songs Billboard and was nominated for Best Rap Performance by a duo or group at the Grammys. It was also the first single off the soundtrack for Above the Rim making Warren G and Nate Dogg stars at the time. Look, the crazy part is, the Above the Rim soundtrack was on Death Row Records, and Suge Knight was mad that Warren G had signed with Def Jam and blew up, and he was trying to bully Leo Cohen and Russell Simmons, but see, here's the thing. Def Jam wanted to sign Nate Dogg also, but Suge put a stop to that quick, and hurry up gave him some money. That's when Suge told Def Jam that Nate Dogg wasn't going to be in the video for Regulate and because he was signed to Death Row Records or something like that. But Chris Lighty, RIP to Chris Lighty, he, he stepped to Suge about that situation and they worked it out. Man, you know what? Nate Dogg should have been next up anyway after that song Regulate. He should have, he should have been ready to drop an album, man, because he was hot at the time, but... Death Row didn't let him put no material out. He was singing on the St. Eyes beer commercial and everything. Nate was hot at that time, man. The crazy part is, Nate ended up robbing a Taco Bell just to get some money. Now, in an interview, Suge claimed Nate Dogg was caught on tape five times robbing a Taco Bell, and if it wasn't for him for not paying for his lawyer, there wouldn't be no Nate Dogg. I mean, he did have the song uh, One More Day on the Murder Was The Case soundtrack, which was dope, but him and the Lady of Rage was next up to release albums, man. They should have dropped, Death Row should have dropped their albums, man. But instead, look, they signed MC Hammer. They had signed MC Hammer, Danny Boy. They released a Dog Pound album, Dog Food. And you know, look, Nate still, Nate did his thing on their first single called Let's Play House. That was my junk right there, but they should have dropped Nate's album, man. He was hot at that time. Also during that time, the East Coast and the West Coast was beefing because even though the West Coast hip-hop music was dominating the charts, they weren't getting no airplay on the East Coast, though. Plus, Suge and Puff had issues with each other, and when Suge made that statement at the Source Awards, <laughs> Nate, said, Nate said he thought to himself, like, that was a stupid move. Why would you say that in New York on stage? And because when Suge made that statement, Nate Dogg said that's when him and DJ Quick stood up and just stood back to back and told each other, if you don't let nobody hit me in the back of my head, I won't let nobody hit you in the back of your head. 
but luckily uh, nobody got hurt that night. Also around that time, Death Row had got into it with Draster and uh, BG Knockout, who was Easy es uh, boys, at the Montel Jordan video shoot for the song Something for the Honeys. That video is on YouTube where you can see Nate Dogg hitting Draster with the golf club. <laughs> Nate Dogg, man, Nate Dogg, man. Even though he was an R&B singer of the crew, Nate was no joke. He was a wild boy. Even Draster and uh, BG Knockout gave uh, Nate his props for not backing down. And, and years later, they squashed their beef and did a song called Victims of Reality. Now, after that, Suge Knight signed Tupac and him and Nate Dogg was already cool with each other from way back because they did the song called How Long Will They Mourn Me for the Thug Life album. When Tupac got to death row, they did the song Scandalous and It's All About You, which is one of my favorite songs off the All Eyes On Me album. But see, also around that time, Death Row Studios was starting to be a little bit too much. Too many fights, shootings, engineers were getting beat up, and it was making it hard to get any work done. It got so bad that Nate Dogg would put on a vest every time he went to the studio. And that's when Dr. Dre decided to leave, especially uh, after Michelle A started sleeping with Suge Knight. But that's another story. And by this time, RBX was gone, Sam Sneed was gone, and the DOC was gone. So Nate, that's when Nate thought he would finally get his chance to release his album. But on September 7th, 1996, Tupac was shot in Las Vegas and he died six days later on Friday the 13th. Now, according to the rapper Badass, R.I.P. the Badass, he said Nate Dogg was the one that called him and Daz Dillinger and told them that Tupac had been shot because he was several cars behind Tupac when the shooting took place. He thought that uh, Tupac and Suge Knight were dead. See, a lot of people don't know, man, Nate was there when Tupac got hit that night. I think he might have been the only Dog Pound uh, member there that night. Now, after Tupac died, things were just starting to fall apart at Death Row Records. Suge was about to go to jail for violating his probation, and the studios were being raided by the FBI. And I think Nate, I think Nate had got caught up too. Um, he got convicted of a drug offense that year or something like that. But the good thing was, Nate had finally dropped his single titled Never Leave Me Alone, which hit number 33 on the Billboard Hot 100. And I love that song, too, man. That was my junk, too. Now, on that song, Nate was talking about all his troubles he'd been through, but Suge Knight still didn't drop his album. And, and by that time, I think Nate had enough and decided to leave the label. And he ended up signing with Breakaway Records with his own label called Dog Foundation. They say when Suge got locked, they say uh, when Suge had got locked, Nate went and got all his music and masters out of the vault. Now with a new deal, things was going good. Him and Daz had a song on a gang-related soundtrack called These Days. And on July 21st, 1998, he finally released his debut album titled G-Funk Classics volume one and two 
with the single title Nobody Does It Better featuring Warren G, which hit number 18 on the Hot 100. But overall, the album only sold like 150,000 copies at the time, and Nate wasn't happy about that. <laughs> Nate Dogg said in an interview, he knew the album wasn't going to do well after the label gave him a $500,000 check that bounced, which was for his marketing and promotion. Plus, I think a lot of fans felt like the sound was outdated because it was a lot of old material he did years ago when Suge should have dropped the album when he was hot. After that, the good thing was everybody wanted him to do hooks for their songs. I mean, everybody wanted him on their stuff. He was on Snoop's uh, Bitch Please, E-40, Nana, Shade Shice, Where I Wanna Be, which hit number one on the rap charts. He did The Most Deaf and The Feral Monch, Oh No. That hit number one on the rap charts. Snoop's Lay Low, Fabulous, I Can't Deny It. Ludacris Area Codes, Dr. Dre's Next Episode, and many more. Oh, and you can't forget one of my favorite songs, Explosive, on the Chronic 2001. Man, Nate killed that song, man. And now the money was rolling in. They say Nate was charging about $150,000 for a hook, and he would get like 20 requests a month for features. Wow. But also during that time, he ended up getting arrested for allegedly assaulting his former girlfriend and setting her mother's car on fire. He was charged with kidnapping, domestic violence, terrorist threats, and arson. The crazy part is around that time, he was on the Up and Smoke tour with Dr. Dre and Dre put up a million dollars for his bail. Nate charges were later dismissed. In 2001, he got a new record deal with Elektra Records and released his second album titled Music and Me, which had the single I Got Love. That was my junk too. I still play that one, I Got Love. That beat is crazy. That song hit number 48 on the Billboard Hot 100 and was on the Transporter soundtrack, pushing this album to certified gold. In 2002, he appeared on a show called The Weakest Link making it to the last three players before being eliminated by Exhibit and Young MC. But that same year, he got in some more trouble when he was arrested on drug and weapons charges after his tour bus was pulled over for speeding and police found him in the possession of four ounces of weed and a stolen handgun. He pleaded guilty and was sentenced to one year probation, 24 hours community service, eight hours of drug treatment, and find more than $4,000. But the hits, man, they kept rolling for Nate. He was doing them hooks. Nate was on fire. The West Side Connection song, uh, The Streets and Gangster Connection. He did 50 Cent's 21 Questions, which hit number one on the U.S. Billboard Hot 100. Jada Kiss Time's Up. Obi Trice, The Setup. And the singer Houston, I Like That, and many more. In 2003, he released his third and final album titled Nate Dog, which was, it was a star-studded, man. He had all types of guest appearances on that album, but I don't think that album really got promoted like that, though. I think during that time, Electric Records uh, had shut down their rap department, but he did put out a single called Get Up featuring Eve, produced by DJ Quick, 
After that, him, Warren G, and Snoop decided to put their original group back together called 213. And on August 17, 2004, they released an album called The Hard Way with the singles So Fly and Groupie Love. Man, I love the song So Fly. Nate did his thing on that joint too. That album, it did pretty good selling wise. But the crazy part is, I heard Warren G said he never got a royalty check for that album to this day. Hmm. But in July 2006, Nate got in some more trouble. He was charged with a misdemeanor aggravated trespassing, telephone harassment, battery assault, dissuading a witness from reporting a crime, and breaking a restraining order. Now, Nate explained what happened in that story, too. He said he wanted his four-carat ring back he had gave his ex-fiance, and they had got into it, and he ended up beating up a boyfriend or something like that. Also around that time, I heard he was dating, uh, no, he was dating. He was dating the movie actress Tamala Jones, and she said in an interview that Wendy Williams was the reason they broke up after she made up lies and was telling Nate all types of stuff about her. Hmm. And, but see, but see, Nate had another problem though, which was his alcohol drinking and his party lifestyle. And people close to him say he would drink a fifth of Henny almost every day. And he would turn into another person they call Buddy Love. And they say, you don't want to see Buddy Love. You don't want to meet Buddy Love. In 2007, him and his girlfriend Latoya Calvin was in a bad car accident where the car had flipped over several times and he was seriously injured pretty bad. But here's the crazy part. After doctors stapled his head up and he had internal bleeding, but he checked out of the hospital to go do a show in Vegas. Plus, he continued to drink. Months later, he suffered a stroke that almost paralyzed the left side of his body, which made it kind of difficult for him because he was left-handed. But see, Nate made a full recovery and that stroke didn't affect his voice. The crazy part is Snoop said him and his wife went to go see him in the hospital and he had a bottle of Hennessy right by his bed. Wow. And some say after that stroke though, that's when things just started really going down for him, though. That's when things started going bad for Nate. But, you know, Nate, he got back on his feet and he wanted to change his life. That's when he wanted to start a gospel group because for years, his mother and father never listened to his music because of the language. And there's some footage online of his gospel choir and they sound good, too, man. Y'all make sure y'all check that out. Y'all get a chance. But the crazy part is he continued drinking while on medication. And on March 20th, 2008, he pled guilty to trespassing and battery and ended up losing his gun ownership rights for over 10 years and received three years probation and was ordered to a domestic violence intervention program. On June 23rd, 2008, he was charged with two felony counts of criminal threats and one count of stalking after allegedly threatening his wife by emails and chasing her on the interstate, but those charges was later dropped. 
He also ended up marrying his girlfriend, Latoya Calvin, who was in the car with him in that accident. But 19 days later, she filed for a divorce. Months later, in September 2008, he suffered a second massive stroke. And this time, he had to be put on life support. Man. It left him paralyzed from the neck down. He couldn't walk or talk for the rest of his life. Man, that's terrible, man. And, and you know, that was a hard one for everybody, man. That, that devastated even the fans, man. On March 15th, 2011, Nate Dogg died, man. He died of complications of multiple strokes. Now, after he passed, there was a lot of drama over his estate between his family and his wife, Latoya. Even though she filed for divorce, the divorce wasn't final before he died, so she took charge of his estate and then filed docs asking Nate's mom to be appointed as her co-administrator. Because see, Nate didn't have no will and no instructions as to how things should be divided up amongst his children and other surviving relatives. But Nate Dogg's son said Latoya Calvin was taking advantage of him with a bogus marriage and believes she sparked a car accident which led to Nate having medical problems and intentionally married him while he was mentally incapacitated. Hmm. Plus, he said she didn't even go to the funeral. Wow. But at the end of the day, I think they all worked it out and I think the money was split up or something like that. Also, Nate was being sued by Care Meridian Rehabilitation Facility for over $300,000 for non-payment of his medical bills. Now, his manager, David Mikery, said he was the only one to step up to pay the bill because none of Nate's famous rapper friends offered to help out and he didn't want to see him die. And he plans to release some unreleased songs of Nate to help pay the medical bill. But Daz Dillinger from the Dog Pound, Daz fired back at him and said, and he placed the blame on him. Dad's placed the blame on him, Nate Dogg's former manager Rob McGrew, Thump Records and Reach, um, Reach Music Publishing for stealing from Nate. Dad's also said that they're the ones in control of Nate Dogg's estate, so all the songs and all the checks are going directly to them. And he said he would be suing them next after the hospital get their money. Hmm. It's crazy, man. In March 2020, Nate Dogg received a new headstone from a guy named Tim Morris who also designed headstones for uh, Left Eye from TLC and Easy e You know, man. Quick shout out to Nate Dogg's son, Little Nate, and In Hell. They doing their thing in the rap game, man. Y'all make sure y'all check out their music. Look, they sound just like Nate Dogg, man. That's crazy. They, they sound just like Nate Dogg. And I know Nate Dogg's son in hell had a few words for Warren G because he didn't invite none of Nate's family to the premiere of the G-Funk documentary. But hopefully they worked that out. You know, and I say this about every person, man, that I do a story on. They need a book or a movie about their life. 
and hopefully Nate's family can make that happen for the fans who really love his music because he was too young to go out like that, man. Nate was too young, man. It's a lesson, man, for us to take better care of ourselves, man. Nate was 41 years old. 41 years old. R.I.P. The legend. True legend. Nate Dog. 